Amen. Thank you, brother. What a tremendous thought. Blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. I hope you can say that this morning with confidence. We sang about the blood of Jesus. That's where the assurance is, right? In the blood of Jesus Christ who came to this earth to shed his blood for us. Well, Pastor mentioned last week that um, I would be speaking on the humanity of Christ, which is a topic that I love, uh, but I'm not doing that today. This was a last-minute uh, notice, and uh, I thought, how do I... It's sort of like trying to fit all of the water in Lake Longview into a gallon jug, talking about the humanity of Christ in 30, 40 minutes, and so I need a little more time to, to uh, draw those things together, um, but I appreciate your prayers. Um, This morning I'll be preaching uh, an unrelated message to that topic, but I trust one that we will profit from, that the Lord will use in our heart, especially in these times that we're living in. We are living in really unprecedented times, aren't we? This week is going to be huge in the life of our country, and um, we need the Lord's grace. So let's go to him in prayer and ask him to guide us this morning. Our Father... Blessed be your name. You are great. Lord, your word says you sit in the heavens and you do whatever you please. And we are thankful that it pleased you to send Jesus into this world, to shed his precious blood, that we might be rescued from our sin, that we might be made new creations to live for the glory of your name and for your Son. Father, we come humbly today recognizing that your words are living and powerful. Lord, there is great responsibility when we hear those words to be doers of them. Lord, would you, by your Holy Spirit, work in my heart and in every heart here today to listen, to hear, and then to obey. Lord, we need your grace. We cannot do it in ourselves. For any here today who do not know Christ, I pray that your Holy Spirit would work in their hearts. Lord, show them the beauty and the power of Christ, that they would desire him above all else. And so we commit this time to you, Father, and we ask that you would guide us by your Spirit. We ask it for the glory of Christ. Amen. We are living in a day of abundance of knowledge available literally at our fingertips. Most of us in this room, I am guessing, not all, but most of us in this room, uh, carry around with us a small device. Got one of these? That enables us to know just about anything you might want to know with simply the pressing of a few buttons, or actually the speaking of a few words to this device. Let me show you. Okay, Google. Okay, Google. You know how technology is, right? Okay, Google. Who was the president in 1814? James Madison. Okay. By the way, if I misunderstood you, you can tap on your request to correct it. Okay, Google, who invented the first vaccine? Here's a summary from Immunization Advisory Center. Edward Jenner is considered the founder of vaccinology in the West in 1796. 
Amazing, isn't it? We all want to know a lot of things, don't we? For instance, I'm sure you all would like to know who's going to win the election on Tuesday. You would like to know what will happen if Joe Biden gets into office. How will that affect us? We'd all like to know when will this COVID end? Will the Supreme Court overturn Roe versus Wade? These are things we all want to know. Yet this morning, I want us to consider three things that the Apostle Paul wanted to know. And although Paul doesn't live in this day, if he were here living in America at this time, I have no doubt that he would still want to know the same three things we're going to consider this morning. More important than who will win the election and when will COVID end. My desire this morning is to challenge us, to stir each of us up, to want to know the same things that the Apostle Paul wanted to know. Three things in particular. More than anything else. So turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, and as I read verses 1 through 11, I want you to notice what they are. Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 through 11, and you will see three things that the Apostle Paul wants to know. Beginning in verse 1. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh... If any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung, that I might win Christ and be found in him not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Did you find the three things that Paul wanted to know? Here they are in verse 10. Paul wanted, first of all, to know Christ. Second, he wanted to know the power of Christ's resurrection. Third, 
He wanted to know the fellowship of Christ's sufferings, even to the point of wanting to be made conformable to his death. Now, we understand that Paul didn't simply want to know the facts uh, in his mind. He knew those already. He wanted to experience the reality in his heart and life. Paul wanted to know these three things in a living and vibrant way. Do you? Do you want to know these three things like Paul did? Can you honestly say this morning with the Apostle Paul, I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to know the fellowship of his sufferings. My outline is simple. I just gave it to you. Our text makes it easy. Three points. First, Paul wanted to know Christ. Second, Paul wanted to know the power of his resurrection. And third, Paul wanted to know the fellowship of Christ's sufferings. In the first place, Paul says that I may know him. Paul wanted to know Christ. Now, in the early part of this chapter, which I just read, we learned about Paul's life as a Pharisee. He gave it all that he had, you might say, to be the best Pharisee that he could be. And in fact, he attained to the highest level of religious performance in the Jewish religion. But not only did he strive to follow the law perfectly, he even went above and beyond that when he said concerning zeal, persecuting the church. Paul went about to put to death those Christians who opposed the teachings that he believed in. That's pretty strong belief, isn't it? Now, when Paul wrote this letter to the Philippians from prison in about 61 AD, he was about 56 years old at this point. He had been a Christian for about 28 years. That's why when I read this verse as a pastor almost 30 years ago, I was confused. Why would Paul say that I may know him? You've been a believer for years, Paul. This is nearing the end of your life. What do you mean that I may know him? Surely Paul already knew Christ. After all, he was an apostle. So why would he say that? But at that time, based on my understanding of the gospel, it didn't make sense. I thought, well, certainly Paul accepted Christ as his Savior, therefore he knew Christ already. So why does he say, I want to know him? Here's why. Because when you truly know Christ, and at that time, even though I was a pastor, I had not come truly to know Christ through faith. But when you truly know Christ intimately and personally, which is the Greek word for know here, gnosko, You get, you can't get enough of Christ, can you? When you truly get to know Christ, you can't get enough of him. You want to keep getting to know him more and more all the days of your life. Now, does that sound like you? Is that the burning hunger and desire of your heart to know Christ more? You take every opportunity you can to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, as Peter tells us to do. You're in the Word every single day because you know these are the words of life. 
You are with the church gathering when they meet so that you can fellowship with the saints. Through the week, you're looking for opportunities to, to encourage one another and to build one another up in the faith because you can't get enough of Christ. Now, if you've ever traveled, if you ever find yourself traveling through the Sahara Desert on foot in the burning heat of the day for hours and hours all by yourself with no water, about to die, and someone just happens to walk up to you and offers you a bottle of ice-cold water, what do you do? Do you take a sip, hand the bottle back and say, thank you, I must be on my way now? Absolutely not. You would drink as much as possible, and your desire would be have, to have more all along the journey in the desert, wouldn't it? This world is a desert, and Christ is the living water that alone can satisfy your soul's deepest need. That's why Paul said, I want to know him. I want to know Christ. Paul likens, one of my favorite illustrations in the scripture, Paul likens Christ to a treasure chest full of riches, all the riches one's heart could ever desire. Listen to this one verse from Colossians 2, verse 3. In whom, in Christ, are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You see, Proverbs 16, Solomon wrote... How much better it is to get wisdom than gold and to get understanding rather than to be chosen rather to be chosen than silver. Picture this the, the treasure chest is open and you look in and you see all of this gold and silver in there and what do you do you run your fingers in there and you just see how deep that goes and it's all yours far better in Christ in him are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. But do you believe that? Not just in theory, but in reality. The songwriter put it this way, and we sung it. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be his than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or land. I'd rather be led by his nail-pierced hands than to be the king of a vast domain and be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. Can you say that this morning, honestly, in your heart? Is that, is that the testimony of your life? You're not there yet. You haven't arrived, but this is what you're striving for. I want to know Christ. If you had to make a choice, Jesus or the wealth of the world, which would you choose? I'm sure every professing Christian would say, Jesus, of course. But what about it in your daily choices? Does knowing Christ take priority over your earnings potential if it means uh, long hours that will cause you to miss out on daily time in the Word? Fellowship with the saints encouraging the saints through the week. Well, the first thing that Paul said, I want to know, is Christ. He wanted to know more and more of Christ. And that's my prayer for all of us here, that Christ would be our great desire.
In the second place, Paul said, I want to know the power of his resurrection. Now, this makes sense, doesn't it? Who, who wouldn't want to know and experience the resurrection power? Do you want to live the Christian life in your own strength, anyone? No, no one does. The power of Christ's resurrection to raise the dead, it is an amazing power when you think about it. Picture for a moment the scene. Lazarus has been dead in the tomb for four days. His family's grieving when Jesus arrives at the home of Mary and Martha in Bethany. Jesus walks down to the tomb and calls out to Lazarus. Lazarus, come forth! And the scripture says, and he that was dead came forth. Now that's power. That is the resurrection power that Paul said, I want to know the power of his resurrection. Remember, if you are born again, you have already experienced that resurrection power because you were dead in your sins, an enemy of God, a hater of God, and yet by the grace of God in Jesus Christ, you were raised to walk in newness of life. Paul put it this way in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone that believeth. Now, Paul knew that amazing power, didn't he? He was a blasphemer. He was injurious. He was putting to death those that followed Christ. And yet, by the resurrection power, he was raised to live a new life. And what a great encouragement Paul has been to the believers throughout the centuries, hasn't he? But what is necessary to know and experience that resurrection power? Well, there's one thing. Death. You can't experience resurrection power if you've never died, can you? Lazarus had to die before he could be raised to life. Paul had to die to the old man if he was to experience new life. If you're a Christian here today, you had to take up your cross and forsake all to follow Christ. That's the demand that he lays out. Resurrection power can only follow death. Have you died? Have you ever died? Let me ask each one of you this morning. Have you ever experienced that life-giving, sin-conquering, resurrection power of Jesus Christ? I'm asking, have you ever believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and given yourself fully to him? You say, well, wait a second, you're preaching to the church, right? You're preaching to the choir, as they say. But you know what? Every one of us needs to be honest in examining that question in our heart. Because there are far too many that will hear on the day of judgment, depart from me, I never knew you. If you have not, and in a crowd this size... Do we think that no one here is lost? If you've never come to faith in Christ, if you've never repented and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, today is the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time. Take up your cross and follow him today because you do not know what tomorrow will bring. You may not even be here tomorrow. Nothing this world affords can compare to the joy of knowing Christ and his power.
Your sin will never satisfy you. Only Christ can. Now, why did Paul want to know this resurrection power? So that he might walk in holiness and live daily to the glory of God. Because that's what it's all about. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. That's the purpose of life. Or we could say, fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man, Ecclesiastes. So Paul wanted to live a life of holiness to the glory of God. Hebrews 12, 14 tells us that without holiness, no man will see the Lord. Paul warned in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 5 about those who profess Christ and have a form of godliness. They look good, but they deny the power thereof. And as I mentioned earlier, that was me as a pastor in the past, years ago. I thought I knew Christ. Yet Jesus will say to many in that last day, depart from me, I never knew you, you workers, you practicers of iniquity, of lawlessness. If you're a Christian here today and you say, man, this one particular sin or these particular sins, they are, they're just bringing me down. I'm, I'm so defeated. You know what? If you are truly a child of God, there is power in the resurrection for you. Romans 8.11, if the spirit of him that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Quit trusting in yourself to overcome. Quit hiding sin. Expose it. Go to a brother, go to a sister and say, I need, I need prayer, I need, I need accountability. But go to the Lord first and foremost and say, Lord, I cannot be a follower of Christ and continue to practice any sin. You can't love your sin and love Christ. I read a Spurgeon sermon recently, or listened to, Turn or Burn. That's powerful. It's on YouTube if you want to listen to it. This is why Paul warns the Corinthian church, Examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Oh, beloved, hear the words of Peter and give diligence to make your calling and election sure. That's the blessed assurance we just heard on the piano. Oh, assurance that I am the child of God is so wonderful. And yet so many in the churches are lacking that. We need the resurrection power we need to know Christ. We need to know the resurrection power. And Paul also wanted to know the fellowship of his sufferings, even to the point of wanting to be made conformable to his death. Now, that's a serious statement, isn't it? Drink in that for a moment. I want to know the fellowship of his sufferings, Paul said. Did Paul really want to know that? Because what Christ went through was not easy, but yet he says it. Now, the word fellowship here is the Greek word that you're probably familiar with. You've heard this, koinonia. And it means partnership or participation or communion. I want to be intimately connected with Christ in his sufferings, Paul said. Now, why would Paul want to experience the sufferings of Christ. Very simply, because he understood genuine Christianity. 
That, that's genuine Christianity. That's biblical Christianity. Paul loved Christ so much that he wanted to experience the sufferings that he did so he could appreciate Jesus more. And also because he knew that to be a true follower of Christ, you must suffer. He knew that it meant to take up his cross daily, deny himself and follow Christ. Sadly, such knowledge is rare in our land, even among those who profess Christ. They don't realize that every Christian has been called to a life of suffering. Wow, that's, that's pretty hard. <laughs> that, that's, that's a little odd. Listen to what Paul says to the Philippians earlier in this letter. In fact, just turn back if you're in Philippians 3. Turn back to chapter 1 and listen to what he says in verse 9, 29. He says, For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. It's an amazing verse. The word given here in the verse comes from the Greek word that means a gracious gift. A gracious gift. It literally means to grant as a favor in kindness. Have you ever considered that when you were born again, God gave you two gracious gifts? One, you get to believe in Jesus. Isn't that a gracious gift? Two, you get to suffer for his name. See, it's a kindness of God that as Christians we get to suffer for Jesus. But is that your perspective? Is that, that's certainly not the perspective in modern Christianity in America today, is it? Absolutely not. Why? Because we fail to see the gracious gift of God that suffering is that he's given to us. In fact, suffering is the very life every and I say it again, every Christian has been called to. The Apostle Peter confirms this thought when he writes in 1 Peter 2.21 when he says, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. Not only is suffering a gift that we've been giving, but it's also a calling. And it's also necessary if you are a true follower of Christ. Listen to Romans 8.16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Praise God for that, right? And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. Did you notice that? He said, provided that we suffer with him so that we can be glorified. It's the same thing he wrote in 2 Timothy 2.11. It is a faithful saying. For if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we will also reign with him. You've heard the saying, no pain, no gain. To follow Christ is to suffer. Why is it then that we avoid suffering when it was Christ's suffering that enabled us to know him? Christ suffered that he might bring us to God. You know why else Christ suffered? And I'll hit on this more when I preach on the humanity of Christ. Hebrews 5.8 says that 
Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. Now, if Christ learned obedience by what he suffered, why do we think as Christians that we're going to learn obedience apart from suffering? As Christians, we sing this song, Oh, to be like thee, blessed Redeemer. You ever sung that song? Is that really what you want? Remember, Jesus in Isaiah 53 was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Oh, to be a man of sorrows, Lord. Oh, to be a man acquainted with grief. That's what I want, Lord. That's my heart's desire. To be like him, we must be like him in every way, not just the pleasant ways. Oh, who doesn't want the joy? Who doesn't want deliverance from an eternal damnation? We must not only desire to know him and his resurrection power, we must also desire to know the fellowship of his sufferings, even being made conformable to his death. That's not the attitude of many people in this world. I might step on a few toes here. And you ask people, How how would you like to die? Here's the answer. Peacefully in my sleep. You ever heard it? You ever said it? That's not what Paul said. I want to know the fellowship of his sufferings. So what should be our attitude towards suffering? Well, Paul gave it to us very plainly in Romans 5, verse 3. He said, we glory in tribulation knowing that tribulation worketh patience. The ESV translates it, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. How many of you need more endurance? You don't have to raise your hand, but I'm guessing every one of you would admit, I need more endurance. We're living in a time where we are seeing major, quote, Christian leaders fall off the map, turn away from Christ. It's in the news. We need endurance. And we need to understand that suffering is that which we've been called to. And we need to rejoice in it. Here's one of my favorite illustrations on this. Many of you may have heard this if you've ever read the book by Richard Warmbrand. He was the founder of The Voice of the Martyrs. And he tells a story that took place during his 14-year imprisonment for his faith at the hands of the communists. He says, quote, It was strictly forbidden to preach to other prisoners. It was understood that whoever was caught doing this received a severe beating. A number of us decided to pay the price for the privilege of preaching, so we accepted their terms. It was a deal. We preached, and they beat us. We were happy preaching, they were happy beating us. So everyone was happy. He said, the following scene happened more times than I can remember. A brother was preaching to the other prisoners when the guards suddenly burst in, surprising him halfway through a phrase. They hauled him down the corridor to their beating room. After what seemed like an endless beating, they brought him back and threw him bloody and bruised on the prison floor. Slowly, he picked up his battered body, painfully straightened his clothing and said, Now, brethren, Where did I leave off when I was interrupted? Wormbrand says, 
He continued his gospel message. And Wormbrad said this, I have seen beautiful things. Isn't that an amazing thought? My dear friends, this election could bring real suffering to believers and to the churches. Did you know that Biden just the other day promised to make passing the LGBTQ rights legislation known as the Equality Act a top priority? Quote, here's what he said. I will make enactment of the Equality Act a top legislative priority during my first 100 days, a priority that Donald Trump opposes. Now, should that happen, this is my commentary on that, should that happen, churches and Christian schools that oppose the LGBTQ movement will begin to experience persecution that we have never known in our lifetime. We must understand, therefore, what the Bible teaches about suffering and be ready because literally within a week or two, our lives as we've lived them may be drastically different. And I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to give you reality. Now, I don't know the election outcome. People say, who's going to win? I don't know. Here's my encouragement. Go home and read every verse in the New Testament on suffering and affliction and tribulation. Paul said as he traveled about visiting the churches, here's what he told them, that through much tribulation we must enter the kingdom of God. He also said, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Why did Paul want to know these things? I wish we had more time, but let's look at Philippians 3, verses 11 through 14, very briefly. I'll start in verse 10 once again. Philippians 3, 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those Things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. This is the Apostle Paul. He says, I haven't attained. Now, does that mean that he wasn't saved? Does that mean that he wasn't trusting Christ? No, it doesn't mean that. It means there was a humility and a recognition that even he, as an apostle, needed to press on with all the power that Christ had given him by the Spirit, the same need that you and I have. Too many people have trusted in the fact, well, I accepted Jesus 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. But they're not living for Christ like they ought to be. If you're truly a believer, this ought to be the three things you want today. Salvation is by grace through faith in Christ. It is not your works. I am not preaching here today that your works are going to save you, that your works can keep you saved. I am saying that if you are saved, you are going to live a life of good works for the glory of God. That's the work that he's done in you, in every believer. 
Paul wanted to know Christ. I want to know him after 28 years or so of being a Christian. Paul wanted to know the power of the resurrection. Paul wanted to know the fellowship of his sufferings. I mentioned earlier, what is the cost to knowing that resurrection power? Death. Death to our desires and our passions. Why is that? Because you realize you can't actually hurt a dead man, can you? You know, you could go up and you could insult a dead man all day. Is he going to be bothered by it? You could actually go up and kick him in the head. Is a dead man going to be bothered? Is he going to be affected by it? No. Why? Because he's dead. George Mueller put it this way. There was a day when I died, utterly died. Died to George Mueller, his opinions, preferences, tastes, and will. Died to the world, its approval or censure. Died to the approval or blame even of my brethren and friends. And since then, I have studied only to show myself approved unto God. There been a day when you died? I thought I was alive for 13 years, a Bible degree, a pastor of a church, and I was dead. But there was a day when I died. See, death to self requires something our flesh doesn't want to do. And this is why we need to, we need to be putting to death the deeds of the body on a, how often? Daily basis. We need to get out of our comfort zone. We must sacrifice our comfort level for the sake of others. Isn't that what Christianity is all about? We often look for our comfort zones, and we're oftentimes deceived into thinking that if I can just stay in my comfort zone, I'll find the most happiness. You ever think that way? Yet Jesus didn't do that. Jesus didn't find it comfortable to leave heaven and come to this earth. Jesus didn't find it comfortable to allow the very men that he created to mistreat, misuse, and abuse him. Jesus didn't find it comfortable to hang on a cross and be ridiculed by his enemies and mocked by his own people. But you know what? For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, because he loved his people. He loved his father, and he came to do his father's will. It wasn't comfortable in the flesh. You see him there in the garden, right, sweating, as it were, great drops of blood and praying, Father, if it be possible. Jesus didn't feel comfortable, but he did it for us. If you're going to know Christ like Paul did, you will have to get out of your comfort zone. One person said, you live a small life when you live inside your comfort zone. Another person said, a ship in a harbor is safe, but that's not what ships are for. If you're living in your comfort zone, that's not what you were made for. If you're a follower of Jesus, Jesus made it plain. If any man would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. We hear a lot about the prosperity gospel today, don't we? It's a false gospel. It's all over. It's rampant in our country. It's rampant in the world, actually. 
But there are two other false gospels that I think are actually more deadly to most conservative churches. The one is the carnal Christianity false gospel. And the other is the comfortable Christianity false gospel. I'll close with this illustration. When James Calvert went out as a missionary to the cannibals of the Fiji Islands, the ship captain tried to turn him back saying, you will lose your life and the lives of those with you if you go among such savages. To which Calvert replied, we died before we ever came here. Have you died to that old man? Have you put to death by the grace of God who you once were? Are you living to know Christ, to know his resurrection power, to know the fellowship of his sufferings? If you're here today and you've never believed in Jesus Christ, I plead with you this morning. Repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. He is your only hope. And you don't know what tomorrow will bring. If you're a believer here and you say, man, I've just been, I've been defeated, I've been discouraged, humble yourself before God. There is power. He's given us everything we need for life and godliness. May the Lord have mercy on us for his glory. Let's pray. Almighty Father, 